morning. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this morning. It is good to be back with you. Uh, it's been quite some time since I was here last, but uh, I want to thank you for the blessings you've given us, uh, the blessing God has given us, and your love and support and prayer for us. Uh, we have a lot of fond memories here. Faith Church, you've played a very important role in our part in our life here several years ago when I came back from Belize after I was diagnosed with cancer and just the fact that you let us stay here and just welcomed us and just loved us and spoiled us, uh, did more for us than you will ever, ever know and uh, I don't think I'd be ever, ever be able to thank you for that. Uh, I am still married, by the way, uh, but she stayed in Texarkana today, uh, she was gone all last week in Cleveland, Ohio with Blair and her <clears throat> boyfriend. And uh, uh, he's going to school up there, and so they went up there to check it out. And so uh, being a teacher, she's got a lot of things to do, but she'll see her grandson. So I think we all know the real reason why it's going on. So, uh, But God's been good to us, and I thank you for the opportunity and certainly praying for you, church, as you go through this transition. Uh, as you begin to seek and prepare to call for your next pastor, uh, we certainly pray for you. In Psalms 139, I want to speak this morning on called, called for so much more. We have been, God, there's so much more that God wants from us. And so, uh, and the reason He created us and saved us, uh, it's more than just attending church and sitting on the pew uh, the chair, there's so much more that he wants us to do. And we read in Psalms 139, uh, let me get going here, there we go behind me, Psalms 139, and begin a reading in verse 18, verse, excuse me, verse 14. He says, I will praise thee, of course this is David writing to God, he says, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are thy works that my soul and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee. When I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So called for so much more. Now let me ask you a question. This is something that, you know, I must admit when I was growing up, it really wasn't an issue. Uh, but, uh, but certainly it is today. Uh, and one of the reasons I ask this question is because some of the ministries I'm involved in is in suicide prevention. And did you realize that in our country, suicide is up 30% in our country? Uh, amongst all age groups, some age groups are more than others, but on average it's 30%. Uh, so let me ask you just a simple question. How do you view yourself? In other words, how do you measure your value what makes you special valuable uh you know we live in a society where people are so wrapped up in their family and in their job and in whatever relationship they may be in uh they 
you know, they're so concerned about the numbers of friends they have. Uh, it's not really in real life, but also, you know, online and things like that. Uh, and by the way, the friends you have online aren't really always your friends. Uh, I, I work with a couple of uh, different things, a, a, a dad's class at a pregnancy center. And we started a Facebook page a couple of months ago, back in the middle of summer. And it was just something to encourage dads and trying, you know, we have an Instagram and all these things here, just trying to reach out to these guys, give them hope and things like that. Well, last month we hit, uh, in August, in September, excuse me, we hit over 5 million people on our Facebook page. And I don't have a clue how we did that. I, I don't know. We post things and stuff. I think, wow, this is great. It just flops. Then the other stuff will post. I say, ah, this is okay, but, you know, I'll go ahead and share it, and it takes off through the roof. And so, uh, so you know, we reached 5 million people, and we were ecstatic, but then we have a dad's class, and we have one guy show up. And so, you know, how do we get all of that out there to right here is still a, a struggle. But, but we, 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 you know, we, we worry about the number of friends that we have. We worry about, you know, our life is so wrapped up in the grades that we make or the clothes we wear or even our looks. And, and, and the problem is, if, if, if we are depending on one or, or many of these things to determine our value, uh, if one of these things is off, it seems like our self-worth drops. Uh, we all lose our looks. I know. We lose our hair. Uh, you know, things just doesn't, anytime we put our, our faith and value in things beyond our control, it always leads to disappointment. Now, sadly, this need for acceptance and this need for love and even security can lead people to make bad choices. Uh, they saddle up with the wrong people. They, they get involved with the wrong things because they want to fit in and feel loved and secured. And sometimes the good things they do begin to control us. And before we know it, before we know it, and, and maybe this is where you are this morning, before we realize it, we are so deep in a hole that we feel like that we can't get ourselves out. And our self-worth continues to drop. It seems like when we get into a rut, uh, we fall into a, this pit or this, uh, this hole. It seems like the more we try to dig ourselves out, the deeper we get. And this is the problem with so many people. And we have a world full of people today that are trying to do their own thing, trying to do what the world uh, expects of them and hoping that it brings security, that it brings a sense of belonging and self-worth, but they end up, at the end of the day, empty empty and no hope at all and you know i honestly think that today the battle for our families has never been as intense as it is today uh, i am tired of losing our children to to suicide i'm tired of losing our children to to uh, uh to liberal values and teachings that that take them away from being the person that God expects them to be and wants them to be and designed them to be. I'm tired of losing this cultural war. And, and, it, and it's in, so intense today, and the devil seeks to destroy everything that is good. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, we are familiar with, uh, we, we've read this scripture many times. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, Now this know also that in the last days, perilous times shall come. Paul's writing this as a warning. He says in the last days, 
It's going to be strange, difficult, dangerous times. We are there today. He says, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. Do we see that today? These examples and characteristics that Paul listed, we don't have to be awake very long and watch the news very long to see all these things. But then he goes on to say, uh, he says, from such turn away. But notice in verse 6, notice this scripture in verse 6. He says, for of this sort, everything he just listed, all the characteristics of people he just listed, he says, of this sort, these type of people are they which creep into houses. And lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers' lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now I want you to think about verse 6. He says, for of this sort are they which creep in the houses. Now I don't know if you ever had your home broken into. Uh, I never have, but I have to think that that is just a, what a horrible feeling. You know, my home is... Uh, a place that, you know, it's a refuge. It's where, uh, you know, my family, you know, we, we go there to relax. It's who we are. It's where we, we build our life together. We teach, you know, and learn from one another. And, you know, and our family is growing. It's amazing. This time last year, uh, I had, you know, we had two little kids that we babysit that we're in love with. Uh, and I thought, well, this is going to be about the only, this is going to be it for grandchildren, grandchildren for us. Blaine, Blair started dating <clears throat> that boy, and uh, and he has a son. Blaine and Am- Blair started. Blaine and Amber started working at the children's home, and so they're house parents. And we just immediately fell in love with these kids. So we went from having just two kids that we'd babysit to right away we had a family uh, with Blair's boyfriend's son and, and these kids at the children's home. And about the time I started the children's home, Amber found out that she was expecting, and so we have gone from. Uh, you know, not having any money to being in the hole for buying kids. I mean, just everything, you know, and they, it's, it's a major thing. We just, we're thinking about this today. When they all come to the house, even these kids from the home, when they come over to the house, they just make themselves at home, and that's the way it ought to be. All right, but to think of someone, a stranger, coming into your home and, and taking things that are dear to you, uh, maybe not a value, but they had the, they're very special to you, or coming in and, and, and causing harm to your family. Can you imagine waking up at one night and finding a stranger standing there at the foot of your bed? Just how horrible it is. Well, we see here, Paul says, For this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women. You say, well, what does that have to do with us? Because this scripture is more relevant today than any other time in history. Because over and over through television and through movies and uh, social media and the media and even on college campuses, we have people telling you, telling our children that this is what makes you free. This determines yourself. Accept who you are. Uh, give in to this lifestyle, give in to your feelings, and then you will have the peace and the joy that you need. They're telling them to do all these things that contradicts God's Word. And Paul tells us, 
that they're laden with sins. So our children, our families are fighting against what they hear here in God's Word, in God's house, and what they should be hearing at home, and they are just confronted and bombarded by the culture telling them the complete opposite. I want you to understand that Satan seeks to kill, but God is the fountain of life. Satan seeks to keep you in the dark, but God is the light that we need to see our worth. He tells us that in Psalms 36 and 9. For with thee is the fountain of life, and in thy light shall we see light. So there are so many people that are caught up in the lies of the world. How can we reach them? Where do we start? Now, this is all very personal to me because uh, tonight I'll spend some time talking about my ministries and different ministries I'm involved in. But I see firsthand and if you, know, if you have any type of contact with the world, you see firsthand that there are people that are caught up. They, they, have, they have believed the lies of, of the world. And it leads to heartache and pain. And we want to help these people. And where do we start? Well, let's notice what the Bible says. I'm speaking to two different groups of people today, by the way. The lost and the saved. And that's all there is. Either you've trusted Christ as your Savior or you hasn't. But I want to, if you haven't. But I want to tell you there's hope for everyone here. So how do we get out of the pit? that you're in. Are you in a pit today? Are you so caught up, so over your head in sin, over your head and and the choices that you've made that you're just barely hanging on? Just barely hanging on. Uh, you know, people ask you all the time, how do, how are you doing? We answer how. How do we answer? Fine. Now is everyone always doing fine when they answer fine? No. But this is the lie that we've been led to believe that no one wants to hear about our problems. I want to tell you there's a Savior who does. And if we're going to get out of the pit, if you're going to get out of the pit that you're in, if you're going to get out of that hole, there's some things you need to realize, first of all. There must be a realization. In Psalms 18 and verse 6, it says, In my distress, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. And cried unto my God, and he heard my voice out of his temple. And my cry came before him even into his ears. We live in a world today that people, they, they feel like that no one cares. Here the psalmist tells us, that he says, in my distress, I'll call on the Lord. And he heard. He goes on to say in Psalm 32, 5, I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of thy people. Listen, if we are going to get out of the pit that we're in, if you're going to get out of the rut that you're in, you must, uh, you must first realize and admit your condition. Now, I want to, that sounds... You say, well, that sounds too easy. What? But it's what keeps us from, from really, you know, being the person that God wants us to be. Because regardless of whatever you're called up in, you must first admit it. If you are counseling someone in an abusive relationship, and for them to get out of that abusive relationship, and to stay out of that abusive relationship, and to begin to rebuild and rethink their way of thinking because it's been warped 
being in this abusive relationship, before you can get to that point, you must first admit that you have been in an abusive relationship. This is why you see so many people leave an abusive relationship and they go right back into it. They go right back into the pain, right back into it. They just think, for whatever they think, well, it, it'll get better. You must admit that you're in an abusive relationship. If you are, you know, if you have in an addiction, if you have a porn addiction or alcohol or drug addiction, any type of addiction that is that, that dictates your life and guides and directs your life, you must first admit that you have a problem. And only when people can admit that there is no hope, admit the lies of the wicked, are they in the position to change. Listen, lost friend, you will never be saved. You will never be saved until you admit that you are lost. And you cannot save yourself. Do you understand? It's more than just knowing it up here. I was saved when I was 16 years old. I grew up in East Texas. We had a church on every corner. I mean, I knew everything there was to know about Easter. I knew everything there was to know about Christmas. I knew all of that. And I could tell you what it all meant. But until that Saturday night in 1983... I had never admitted that Christ died for my sins. It was my sins that sent him to the cross. It was my sins that kept me separated from him. And so if you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, you have to come to the conclusion that you are lost and you've broken God's law and you cannot save yourself. And then, in my distress, I called upon the Lord. And he heard me. He heard me. There has to be true repentance. Listen, there are people that are wandering in darkness. We, as God's people, we, we, there are people surrounding us. that are, They wander in darkness. They make bad choices after bad choices after bad choices. What is it that we can do to help them? What, is it that, what hope can we give them? Well, Jesus tells us. In John 12, he says, Father, glorify thy name. Then came there a voice from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. The people, therefore, that stood by and heard it and said that it, that it thundered. Others said an angel spoke to him. Jesus answered and said, This voice came not because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world come. come. Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of the peace be cast out. Then he says, I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. I saw a video years ago, appropriately titled, appropriately titled, a man fell in a hole. He's walking along, he falls in this hole, he can't get out. He, he yells for anybody, anyone, hey, I'm in a hole, I'm hungry, I'm cold, I need out, is anyone there? No one was there. Finally, a man walked by. And he looked down in the hole. He said, oh, you're in a hole. The guy said, yeah, I need to get out. He said, well, if you will just keep the law of Moses, you will find favor with God. And everything will work out well. But you have to keep the law. You have to keep the law. And so the man 
tried to keep the law. Come to find out, he couldn't. And what was the end result? He was still in a hole. So the man walked away. He said, I can't help you. And he walked away. So the guy yells again, I'm in a hole. I'm cold. I'm hungry. Somebody help me. Eventually someone walks up, looks down. He says, you're in a hole. He says, I know I'm in a hole. Can you help me out? He says, well, if you would only be baptized and wash away your sins. You're in this hole because you've not been baptized. So if you'd get baptized and wash away your sins, you would be out of this hole. Well, he's in a hole. There's no water. God said, well, I can't help you. And he walks off. So he does it all again. He's getting weak, and he yells and yells for help, for help, for help. Finally, someone walks up, and he says, he looks over, he says, you're in a hole. He says, I know I'm in a hole. I need to get out of this hole. He says, well, here's what you need to do. Close your eyes and say to yourself, there is no hole. There is no hole. There is no hole. Um, settle your mind. Visualize the fact that there is no hole. And visualize you outside walking away of the hole that's not supposed to be there. But anyway, visualize yourself out of the hole walking away and do this type of exercise and meditate and do all these things here and you will be at one not in the hole. The end result was guy's still in the hole because the hole was there. He said, I have no hope at all. Somebody, please, is there anyone to help me? Finally, somebody walks up, looks down. He says, you're in a hole. He says, I'm in a hole. I cannot get out. Help me. Can you help me? Please help me. And the nail-scarred hand reached down into the hole and says, come on. And he picks him up out of the hole. Folks, that's what Jesus does. That's what Jesus does. When we admit that we can't do it ourselves, he looks up and he sees Jesus. He was lifted up. He says, ah, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. That's all we have to do as believers. If we would just lift up the name of Jesus, where we live, where we work, where we go to school, where we shop, if we would just brag on Jesus and lift him up, we would be amazed at the holes that people will get out of. We go into the world. When we go into the world, we have what mankind most needs, and that is the truth. The truth cuts through the world in a lifetime of lies. We must realize that. And you must realize that. Second of all, there must be ongoing rehabilitation. Now, I'll read this in Psalms 139 in verse 9 and 10. <clears throat> Let me get over here. <coughs> Excuse me. Verse 9 and 10, it says, If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Rehabilitation. So what is rehabilitation? Well, if you ever had any type of surgery, Knee replacement, elbow, shoulder, anything like that. You know, it's not just go in, replace it, everything's fine. There has to, have, has to be rehab. Uh, there has to be rehab or it freezes up. You, you know, you're in worse shape before it all started. Well, in that same vein, I want you to think about this. The good news is when you, once God gets a hold of your soul, it is secure for all of eternity. 
Once saved, always saved. The moment you realize you're a sinner and you call upon God to, as your Savior and you call upon Christ to forgive you your sins and to save you, He saves you for all of eternity. That's the good news. Now, here's the bad news. Life is messy. Life's messy. Life brings a lot of baggage with it. Some of the things we did in the past will continue to haunt us because of the consequences of it. Some of the things that maybe we had done to us will still carry over and haunt us. So many people suffer with guilt. Even though they've been forgiven by God, they suffer with guilt and they try to get rid of it by drowning it by denying it or even deflecting it, saying, you know, it's not my fault, I was raised this way, so therefore it justifies my action. Or I had this done to me, and it justifies my reaction. Uh, we, we try to deflect it. But I want to tell you something. Life, we can suffer from anger and sorrow and shame and depression and all these things that come with being a believer. And we still struggle with these things. And this, this shame, this depression, this this baggage that we carry can be so overwhelming that we, we can even get to the point where we question our salvation and many slip back into the old life because there's a sense of security there. So what do we do? How do we rehab ourselves? How do we, once we trust Christ in our Savior, how do we go about staying in the will of God and growing in the grace of of God and becoming the Christian that God wants us to be, to be so much more than, than, than what, we, what we think we are. How do we do that? Well, very simply, Paul, the Bible tells us that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Folks, this is what we call discipleship. This is why we have Sunday school classes. This is why we have Bible studies. Because all of this is done to help us not to slip back into our old lifestyle, but to be the new creature that God promised us when we are saved. This is what discipleship is. Listen, there must be in this church, there must be a person here somewhere. There has to be a class. There has to be a group that realizes that some scars are caused by deep cuts. And there are people that walk in these doors that need to be surrounded with love and mercy and compassion and God's Word. Your church must be, this church must be one that has a reputation for loving people. Listen, this church ought to be a church that gets down in the pit and helps fight off danger. Our home should be a place that the family knows that at the end of the day, they're loved. They're loved. They're loved. We must never forget that at one time we believed the lies of the world. And so we must make it our mission, our focus to rehab those that are saved out of the pit to encourage them. And then finally, there has to be a reinstitution. Reinstitution. What does that mean? Well, it means to introduce again. You realize some things. We're familiar with reinstitute. We're familiar with Romans 8:28. We love this verse. 
We know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to their purpose. We know all things. Uh, you know, we just got through with Thanksgiving. And, you know, uh, contrary to what a lot of kids think, there's a lot of work that goes into preparing food. Uh, I mean, you take one ingredient here and there and the other, and on their own, it's terrible. But, man, when it comes together, oh, man, it is wonderful. Uh, years ago, my mother, my grandmother was known for making banana pudding, and she made, I mean, it was homemade. It was great banana pudding. Man, we were looking forward to it. That was to be the, 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 the highlight of the meal. And she got to talking, and she used salt instead of sugar. Needless to say, not even the cows ate that. But anyway, but all things work together. All things. You know what people need to hear? I was lost. Now I'm found. People need to hear from you that I'm not the person I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be because of what God has done for me and salvation and the growth that I've experienced within my church. And because I'm not the same person, because God has allowed me and put me in a church where I can grow and not be the person I used to be, I want to be able to share with you that God loves you, God forgives, and God heals that's what the world needs to hear. Our testimony. Listen, a person is never truly healed until they can testify of it. You think about what he said in Psalms 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Think about what your testimony does. Think about in Romans 12, Revelation 12:11, and they overcame him. Him is Satan. The evil one, how? By the blood of the Lamb and by the what? The word of their testimony. And they love not their lives unto death. Listen, our tongue and testimony are the, most, are the greatest weapons we have. Do you realize that you are a trophy of God's grace? Do you realize that? Do, do, we understand the, what is, do we understand the significance of trophies? We know what a trophy is. When we see a trophy, we know that they have, uh, they are, you know, they have competed, they have excelled in their, in their field, whatever it is that they have dedicated their life to. We see that, and we recognize that we go into schools, and you can see all these trophies that, that the teams have won throughout the years. You go into people's homes, you can see trophies of, you know, they've put up there because our kids have won or something like that. You're granted a, an award because you're recognized at work for you know, anything like that. We know what a trophy is. I mean, if you go down to Baton Rouge, you see the boot. Amen. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, we understand that we, well, we beat a team. I don't say former bull team. But anyway, we understand that. We understand what trophies are. And folks, I want to tell you, we are trophies when God sends us into the world, he is telling the world that that is my trophy. They had nothing at all. They realized they could not save themselves, but they turned to me, and the fact that they are now going to heaven is a testimony of God's 
grace. We are trophies of God's grace. Your worth, let me ask you, I asked you, started out by asking this, I'm going to tell you now the answer. Your worth is based on the fact that there is a God who created you. And this God has done everything in his power to reveal himself to you. People need to be reminded. They need to be reminded of this early and often, that God loves them. What could God do with this church that showed the community that regardless of whatever hole you're in, I know a man that can take you out of that hole, can clean you up, and rehab you. There are people today that are caught up in underage pregnancy, sexual sins, abusive relationships, anger issues. They are considering abortions. One in four women in churches have had abortions. There are people there this morning who are considering an abortion. They're, or maybe they're living with the effects of, the, the mental effects of having had an abortion in their past. They're, they're caught up in a lifestyle of drugs and booze. And, and it's just they're in a pit. And they seem like there's, there's no hope at all. And they need to have someone in their life that shows them the life and the light that is found in God. Why? Because many of you were rescued out of that very thing. I want to tell you something. Everything counts for God. Everything counts. 30 years ago, before I got into the ministry, for many years I wasted in drugs and alcohol. And I assure you, if I, I'm convinced that I, if I had not been delivered from that, walked away from that, I'd be dead now. There's no, I have no doubt about that at all. And when I first got into the ministry, I would share my testimony at every church. That's the only thing I had. I was bragging on God. I mean, I would tell, you know, and as I got older, you know, I told my kids the dangers of it. I mean, I just laid it all out there. But as years went on, I didn't talk about it as much, not because I didn't want to talk about it. Uh, it was a part of my life, and I still would, but I was more focused, you know, if I'm talking to someone, I want to talk about what God's doing now in my life, not 30 years ago. Because if all I have to do is brag about what God did in my life 30 years ago, I haven't done anything with my life since then. And so I just, I never thought about it. I was in Israel back in September, ended up going to a shelter and having dinner with guys who are drug addicts trying to recover. And I was able to sit down, and most of these guys are worried about making it the next day making it the next day. I mean, and, but me able to, for me to be able to sit down and say, listen, 30 years ago, I was delivered. Yes, it was a struggle. Yes, it was hard. But God's grace is sufficient, and he can help you. 30 years later, I'm in Israel sharing this testimony. Everything counts for God. Why? Because you've been delivered. Show me a person testifying of the deliverance of God, and I'll show you a person that's defeating the lies <clears throat> of the devil. Now, what about you? What about you? Will, you? will you finally accept the fact that you were guilty of breaking God's law 
Admit that the life you're living is not one of life, but of death. Will you make the commitment to trust in Christ as your Savior? Will you make the commitment to unite with this church and attend this church, pray for this church, support this church, and let God's Word wash over you? Are you committed to the rehabilitation found within the church membership? Listen, a church can offer all this rehab, but you've got to be the one to step up and allow God's Word to wash over you. Will you share your testimony with others? Maybe not be so judgmental when someone stands up and says, you know what, I need help. I need help. Are we telling telling our family and our community that they are worthy of God's love? Have you realized your condition? Have you trusted in Christ? Christ, have you called out to Him? Have you asked Him to save you? Have you allowed yourself to get in here and not just be a member of this church, but to be a part of this church and allow yourself to take advantage of the opportunity you have to grow as a believer? This church exists to assist you to grow while you seek to serve and follow God in your life. Listen, whatever pit you're in, there's hope. There's no hole so deep that the love of God can't reach down and grab you. There's no sin so horrible that God's grace can't forgive. Whatever God's laid upon your heart, Won't you get it taken care of this morning? Father, as we stand, Father, thank you for the blessings you've given us. Thank you for your watch care over us. Thank you, Lord, for saving our soul. Thank you for saving me and for keeping me, Father. And thank you, Lord, for using me. There are so many other people that could do so many things better than me. But, Lord, I also realize that there are some people only I can reach. And I pray each one here would realize that there are people in their lives that only they can reach with the gospel. Or may we be the light, shine your light to the world. Help us, Lord, not to put it under a bushel, but to stand on a hill and testify of your greatness and the great things you have done and who you are. There's one that's lost that doesn't know Christ. Let this be the morning they're saved. For those of us who are saved, Lord, help us to walk out of here with a zeal and a desire to serve you and follow you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.